fans to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santo, joined, as always, by the Porcaroso to my Tozero. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, I am feeling curly-tailed and flightful. And our very own Ponyo. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, what's it like to be the be a Miley Cyrus' younger brother? <laughs> <laughs> well, when you put it that way. Yeah, I'm an Aquarius. It works. All right. Uh, no. <laughs> I actually like Ponyo. That was, a, that, that was like less shirt. of a diss than usual. Um, all right. Today, we are going to uh, kind of dig in our... This is like our way too early look. The Senior Bowls happened. Uh, we watched some video. Uh, we watched the actual we watched, game. We watched their like, terrible, terrible coverage where instead of showing one-on-one drills, they showed somebody wander over to the sideline and pull up their pants. Or stretching. They showed or a stretch. lot of stretching. A lot of stretching. And I, um. Yeah, the one-on-ones, though, like, the hair thing about that is, like, in the one-on-one wide receiver versus cornerback drill, what an advantage for the wide receivers to not, because the whole point of, like, playing good cornerback is to push guys in a certain direction, and it's like, yeah, well, that's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's basically, who are you pushing them to? It's basically like a backpedaling and shadowing test. Yeah. And the, you're like, all right. The well. offensive-defensive line drills are the best part of the senior bowl. So and they it, certainly showed almost none of them. It was very frustrating for somebody who likes watching fat guys push each other around all the time. Yeah. I wish I didn't have a real job so I could have just gone because that probably would have <laughs> been a lot better than what we ended up doing. So either way doesn't matter we're gonna go ahead and get into it right now we're gonna start with our way 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 too early look at the uh, seahawks draft and um i don't know about you kevin but i feel like this is uh, probably a bad idea it's gonna make us look dumb in a couple months when we know so much more about these players but i think that that's that's part of the fun right it's just to look stupid in front of uh people on the internet that's why i do this what I, what I want to do. So. You know, if there's one thing we've learned over the years, it's our fans love nothing more than to see us get stuff wrong. Yeah, they, they love telling us why we're stupid. So this will be perfect for them. Yeah. All this, right. This is for you guys. <laughs> so we went to, uh, there's a web, uh, website, draft website that Kevin and I both really like. It's a good starting point if you want to like just kind of get a, the gist of a player and then use that as like something to keep in the back of your head while you start watching their YouTube videos. Uh, it's Draft Network. They have a mock draft machine. So you can go on there, you can get, you can pick the Seahawks, you can be the Seahawks. Right now on the mock draft machine, the Seahawks only have five picks. And that's because it doesn't put in any projected compensatory picks. And right now the Seahawks uh, are in line to get several of those. But as we all know, that can, that can change. Um, that can, they, they can like, they we don't know the formula for sure. So what's our, pro, what's our projected, um, our projected, compensatory right now so the projected compensatory situation we're looking at a compensatory third um oh let me pull it up i had it before uh we yeah, looking we had we played with the tabs too much didn't we it's uh I, I got that cancellation chart um open let me get this nfc west the seattle seahawks are in line to get a third for earl thomas yep a fourth for justin coleman and a sixth for shamar steven stefan stefan there you go. And uh, we would have got another six for sixth for Sweezy, but, you know, we signed the GOAT, Jason Myers, and uh, that so that cancels out. Automatic, baby. Sweezy for got, automatic. I'll take it. We would have got a seventh for Brett Hundley, but we uh, canceled hmm. that out for a year, a couple years of Mike Iapati. All right. So, uh, that was a thing we did. Yeah, uh, the other thing that's up in the air right big, now. Big yikes on that one. We may or may not get our seventh round pick back. Um, pick 218 overall. Uh, because Hollister was cut at the end of the preseason, which means that the um, 
qualifying compensation may not have triggered by the fact that Hollister was cut. So we may or may not have a seventh round pick. Yeah, I would say seventh round picks generally don't matter too much. But the third and the fourth rounder, those are very good and very important. And yeah, so those are huge once, picks. Once we get those, we'll probably do another podcast that is similar to this one where we talk about like how the draft's developing and then we do a, some more mock drafts. Yeah, that'll the, probably uh, be after a uh, um, combine so that we get kind of that okay. next round of information too. So, so Kevin did two mocks before the podcast started. I did two mocks after, uh, before the podcast started. But we're going to do a live one. We're going we're gonna to try something. You know, that's what I'm all about. I'm all about trying things. Okay, so we're going to do one live. I'm going to um, throw it on the television. So I'm going to take a one a one second pause, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to have it on the TV, and then that way we can all do it together. Okay? So here we go. Hmm. And we are back and um, using technology to its fullest. It was like we like never left. So, so, <laughs> so here we go. I'm going to start off with the normal draft. We're going to do uh, five rounds because that's the last round the Seahawks have a pick right now. We're going to use the Draft Network's predictive board. Going to go with the uh, fast pick speed. Here we go. Let's start. So with the draft, the way this mock my draft machine works is it like throws a bunch of picks up there. And my favorite thing is when Chase Young doesn't go second because then I just file it away under things that are not going to happen. Um, Kevin, truly, would, you, fantasy would you trade every pick in our draft to get Chase Young? Oh, man. You know how much I love janky picks? That's a hard question. But I mean, if I was smart, I would. Yes. I, I think for me, it's a, it's a hard yes. Eric, uh, would... Yeah, I know you watch very little college football, but you I know you've seen Chase Young, Ohio yeah, State's I've, I've, yeah, I've, superlative I know defensive end. I mean I'll I'll say that who we're picking here, who I'm who I'm hoping we're gonna pick. I'm 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 mostly in on Chase Young. Okay. So we've been presented with a choice between uh three I think three players that that all fit into positions of need. Uh T. Higgins and LaVisca Chenault Jr. They're both wide receivers. T. Higgins went to Clemson, LaVisca Chenault went to Colorado. Um, Kevin, uh, between these two guys, like, what do you like about them? Which one do you like better? Uh, I feel like there's two other guys I'd want to put on this list too. Uh, T oh, Higgins. Don't worry. There's more coming. Uh, T Higgins has a huge wingspan. Um, he runs about six, three, six, four, uh, has great size. He's a good outside receiver. Um, he's very, he fit- su- he's very sudden for how tall he is. Like kind of reminds me of, uh, like DK like that, you know, like how fast he can move. Yeah. But- but he's probably not going to get defeated by the three-cone drill like DK did. You never know. Never know. <laughs> could be tricky. Um, LaVisca Chenault, on the other hand, is more like that running back playing wide receiver Golden Tate type player where he just is really dangerous with the ball in his hands. He's not a super polished route runner, but he has every skill that you could possibly want from a receiver. He's got a yeah. big build for a receiver. Too. He he. The thing I the only thing I don't like about Lavisca Chenault for the Seahawks is he. I think his future in the in the league is to play like the Keenan Allen role, where he plays a lot in the slot, even though he's not a slot receiver necessarily yeah. does that make sense though uh and, mr pre-snap motion you might like the idea oh, of him and yes. lockett being able to flip back and forth who's in the slot i mean the because they can both play outside well enough that you have to respect them as the, outside guys the game the the idea here is like it's like you said it's like golden tate you just find a way to get him the ball whether it's a screen whether it's a jet sweep whether it's a a Him with pass. the ball in space is something the other team never wants to see. Okay, then we then we so those are the wide receivers we have to choose from. We also have Mackay Becton available. Um, we've talked a little bit about him on the, about in the podcast. Um, the thing about Mackay Becton is he is gigantic and 
of the players in this draft, I think he's the most fun tape watch of any of them because the way he just lights people up and makes them uh, makes them die is um, very satisfying to yeah, me. Easily the size of two, three, maybe four houses. Yeah. So um, yeah, so I think those are, size. those are those are the um, the guys that you could you could. Those are the three guys that I instantly. I would like put Josh to. Jones in that group too. And Josh uh, Jones, offensive, offensive tackle out of Houston, he's. A project, but not in the way other guys are projects. It's more he has some tactical stuff to finish off, but I think he's pretty plug and play as a right tackle right now. Extremely athletic. Would you would you rank him? Uh, so you have? Oh my gosh, that thing just crashed. Now, <laughs> now we have completely different. <laughs> now we have offense. to, to draft again. Hopefully, we get the same guys. Otherwise, uh, this let is me ask: Is Mackay Becton a, a start day one, and where does he start? If Mackay Becton starts day one, he starts off at right tackle. Yeah, he. I don't think he's a big project. Some other people maybe would think that, but he is definitely um, a. Uh, I don't know. He's a dude. All right, we we now have totally different guys because the thing crashed, and uh, we've been presented with a new option that I think is worth talking about. Yatur uh, uh, Gross Matos. Yeah, uh, this is the position group I wanted to go with. Is the edge rusher. So this is actually someone that I would be really excited to to have the opportunity to pick where we're picking in the draft. He's. He's really good. And He's going to be like a somewhere between like the twentieth pick and like the t- the fifth pick of the third round. He's one of those guys who go anywhere in there. Yeah, we don't you don't know because he could. He's going to test really well physically. Yeah, that's he's what really he's really at. long. He's very athletic, but he doesn't have a very polished pass rush set. Yeah. So, um, yeah. What do you uh, Gross Matos, Chenault, Becton? Who would you who would you want to pick here, Kevin? Uh, if I'm going to pick anybody of the guys that we've talked about, I would think about either, I, I would take either Becton or Gross Matos because I feel like those are the two position groups that you need to snap up early. All right, Eric, do you have a, do you want to break the tie here? Do you want an edge? So you want to pick Gross Matos? You know us? what? I didn't like what you had to say about him. Uh, it's funny. I have the exact same players that Kevin had. I'll take the offensive tackle instead. Really? That's yeah, only because I didn't like what you had to say about Matos. Like what? Like what didn't you like? You he does not have a great pass rushing set. Yeah, but that is a huge problem for me in the first. Let round. me let me let me sell you on him. You ready? Yeah. This guy is like um, he's relentless. He he will. Is try, he a motor guy? He will try things until he's they work. He's not a motor guy in he, like the. Uh, if I had to pick a player that was on the Seahawks that I would compare him to, he reminds me of like Davian Frank Clowney? Clark. Okay. Where, like, Kevin's like, right, he's not like... Frank Clark in college didn't get a million sacks either, but I think that when Gross Matos comes in, if he gets the work done, puts in the work, he could be that level of, like, similar, you know, size, speed, strength. But you're also guy. talking to me about a, a, a good guy, guy like to pair up, got to pair up with Jaron, you know, if we the bring him back. The two things that you look for uh, in growth from Yudor Gross Matos, you want him to pass rush with a plan. He's a guy who has like, this is the move I'm using on this snap. And then if his, once he uses his first move, then he's really relying on his athleticism after that. That's something that you can coach somebody into doing is um, using more of their moves in a, in a given situation. The other thing is um, he was able to out-athletic offensive linemen in college so often that he isn't used to chaining his moves because he basically didn't have to. Like, he had a reach advantage. He had a strength advantage. He was a guy, he just put an arm in a guy's chest and 
use it to pivot around him. Yeah. But he's got the bend. He's got the burst that you look for from an edge rusher. It's I hard think, in college because a lot of these guys hold back because they don't need to showcase and everything. Another thing, too, is is I know Beckton's an exciting tape watch, but he's beating up on more moderate opponents than than uh, than Matos had to go against all year. Yeah, Grouse Matos has to, play, down. has to play in the, in the big, you know. <laughs> <laughs> in the it's not the Big Ten anymore because the, there's more than the, ten. Just the big. It's just big. the big seventeen. So, so what are we, it's Odin's favorite. Did, did, I, did I convince you to go big? Here? You know what? I really like both of these guys. I think it's okay to circle them both. Seeing how in two months these guys are going to jump up to the top ten right. or into the fourth round. We're just going to say we uh, we went edge here, and then in your in your <laughs> in your previous drafts, Kevin, uh, who'd you pick? So a couple of guys I looked at here. Uh, I ended up with Josh Jones in one of the drafts. Again, addressing that offensive line situation, um, I've ended up with Makai Becton in one of the drafts, um, or sometimes a receiver like Henry Ruggs will fall, and I ended up taking Henry Ruggs in this spot. I got Trevon Diggs, and I want to talk about this. Um, Remember when I said, like, there's some guys who would be the most perfect Seahawks, and it would be cool if they fell to us, or if we had an opportunity to just trade up a couple picks to get them? That's like a very good example of what I'm talking about. He is like the prototypical size zone cornerback that the Seahawks covet so much. Uh, would be a great guy to come in and push Trey and make sure that either Trey gets better or we can improve on the position by picking a very talented rookie. I, um, I would instantly make cornerback a total non-problem, I think. The only, except for maybe, you know, unless they'd still decide not to trust Ugo for some reason, which drives me freaking crazy. All right, Kevin, we're at we're at pick fifty nine now. The best player on the board, according to the predictive board, is KJ Hamler, wide receiver out of Penn State, which I feel like is a precipitous drop for him. Um, this is like way later than I would have expected him to go. He's a really good. He's probably going to be a slot wide receiver, though. Do you think the Seahawks would be looking at slot wide receivers uh, at this point, at any point in the draft, or do you do you feel like that the guys they want are the X, the outside? Uh, guys i think the team is looking for receiver talent in general but if they had their preference they'd probably go for an outside guy because they really like tyler lockett's skill set in the slot um ideally you'd have somebody who can do kind of some inside outside work all right and for for me at this point in the draft um whenever i've mocked it in the past um there's a lot of really good tight ends available and i do think tight end is a position you could see the seahawks go for to look for a little extra depth there. In this mock, we've got Bryson Hopkins from Purdue available, Cole Komet from Notre Dame available, and Hunter Bryant from the University of Washington. So uh, let's go over these guys in reverse order. Kevin, tell us about Hunter Bryant, since uh, I'm sure you've seen him play a lot, and so is everyone who listens to this podcast. That's a fact. Hunter Bryant, the often injured uh, University of Washington product, Ugh. he has all the pass-catching ability that you could possibly want. He's a little bit undersized, but he is a coverage mismatch. If you are big enough to cover him uh, vertically, you are not fast enough to keep up with him on his routes. So he's he's just a mismatch machine. Yeah, he'll just need to come in and learn how to play in line, and that's like better. You know, become a better in line blocker and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone who's and who, not get uh, injured. Yeah, and I guess not get injured. That's true. Uh, Cole Komet, uh, Kevin, do you have a? Opinions on this? I have strong opinions. I feel like Cole Komet is a pretty complete tight end prospect. Um, he's a functional blocker and a above average pass catcher. I would say he's probably the most complete tight end in this draft. Yeah, for me, he seems 
when I watch him play, I'm like, this guy could be just like Will Disley on the other side of the line and make our two tight end sets so, so, so incredibly dangerous. Because this guy can run the run, he can run up the seam and really punish safeties or linebackers who are trying to keep up with him. He um, just has he has rare abilities. He's a good blocker. Um, yeah, just Cole Komet's in a prospect I'm really excited about. Um, Bryson Hopkins from Purdue. What do you, what do you know about him? Uh, Bryson Hopkins is another guy who's uh, very athletic, um, dangerous after the catch, hard guy to bring down. Not a big time blocker, and he has a lot of drops issues, yeah. which scares me. Hopkins runs good routes, but like Hunter Bryant, I think he's more of a, a wide receiver in tight ends clothing. A guy who um, reminds me maybe of uh, Eric Ebron, right? Like a guy who can block if you need him to, but would he can pre- get in somebody's way, but he's not a blocker. Would prefer to be on the outside. All right, Eric, any of these guys uh, tickling your fancy? Okay. I do not want Hunter Bryant if he's injury prone. We already have an injury prone Washington Fair. tight end who uh, cornered the market on that one. Yeah, is, is there anyone I saw on the screen here, Kevin? We're picking again in five picks. Keep that in mind. So uh, that, that's something I think the Seahawks will think about too. Is like there's only four teams picking in between us, and they're all teams. This is something I think about: Baltimore, I Tennessee, Green Bay, Kansas City. Wide None of these teams need running backs and or like. Offensive lineman. Right? I see three wide receivers and three tight ends. I'm probably picking a defensive back here. Really? I would pick Bryce Hall out of Virginia. Okay. Uh, Bryce Hall can play uh, single high safety. He can play strong safety. He can play nickel. Um, he's got a lot of versatility. He's played all over the place. He's a playmaker on the ball. Um, the only thing I'm not convinced of is his outside corner play i'm not going to say for certain that he can play outside corner in our system but i think he could come in and be a immediate impact player as a defensive back what do you I, feel about jalen johnson do you know i like, like that guy? bryce hall seems like the kind of guy that for me i just don't think he pushes either of our starting corners that we have right now and we already have a it just i feel like if we pick a cornerback it has to be someone that's Pushing his outside corner? Pushing his outside corner or a huge project. And I don't think he falls into either of those categories. Bryce Hall's the kind of guy I feel like is going to come in his rookie year, be mostly ready to play some, and not ever really get a ton, a ton better. Like, he won't ever be making huge strides. I think that's fair. If we're going edge in the first round and we really want to go with a a cornerback here, then I I think it's fine waiting for a tight end in the next spot, but I do think that we will we'll probably take a tight end or a wide receiver in this spot. It makes sense. It's what the Seahawks kind of do. If I'm doing that, I'm probably taking the wide receiver, and out of the ones that are up here, I think Donovan Peoples-Jones does what we wanted to do most. Yeah, he's big. He's long. You know, like Brandon uh, Ayuk, we talked about this, how to say this name before the podcast. That was, that was a, that was a <laughs> moment. showed off. Um, Brandon Ayuk is a guy who, I think Brandon Ayuk and Donovan Peoples-Jones are pretty similar players. Um bigger than average uh athletic in the systems they were in they weren't able to really show off everything that they could do but you saw enough to believe that they were capable of doing more i think people's jones the difference for me between the two guys is Ayuk um is a go route guy right like he yep. he runs past people and people's jones reminds me of from last year uh the guy with three names that went to stanford Oh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Yeah, where he like goes up and makes contested catches in space that are in, in a, at a pretty decent way. Uh, so 
I would probably be between Peoples Jones and Komet. I think that's fair. Let's pick Peoples Jones. I like Cole Komet, by the way, from well, your uh, scouting. Hope, hope if, you if he falls to us in, at some he point, got, he got picked, and it's all the same guys on the screen. We still could pick Hunter Bryant, but both the other tight ends went. Uh, Tennessee, Tennessee took Komet. Green Bay took Hopkins, which had both of those seem reasonable to me. Yeah. Uh, now we're in the position where we can um, we could go a number of different directions. Uh, we have an offensive tackle on the board here, Isaiah Wilson. We have some in, we have an interior some interior offensive linemen that look uh, that kind of tempting. What do you, what do you what do you see in here, Kevin? Uh, I like Natani Muti. Um, if you scroll down just a little bit, he's an offense interior offensive lineman who's available out of Fresno State. He's a guy who got bumped outside to tackle for a year and didn't put up quite as good a tape. But when you look at him as a guard, he mauled people. And he, and he was against a medium competition at Mount West, in the Mountain West, except for then you would have him play against like a Pac-12 team, and he would maul people again. Yeah, I, I sent this Muti video into the group chat, I think. But um, one thing I thought was uh, kind of good about him is he's really good at pulling and he's very he's very um aggressive vicious uh, angry i don't know i don't know what the right word is for that he's but a it, finisher it's, it's is the, the kind term of, that they like to it's use. the kind of thing that i he feel like put you on your butt our team likes because our 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 offensive line coach loves guys like this yeah this he plays really physical kind of nasty uh guys um a couple wide receivers down here if we didn't take people people's jones just for the reference uh denzel mims out of Baylor is a guy who has every physical tool that you could possibly want. He just had kind of ran a limited route tree. And this might be a spot where the Seahawks don't pick again for a really long time after this pick. So it is a spot where they might be thinking, like, well, we can take a Nick Harris or, uh, you know, an interior offensive lineman that maybe is a little bit of a reach because we're not going to pick again for a very, very long time. Yeah, uh, Bradley Ane out of Utah is another guy who might go around here who I could see us um picking up because he's a guy who could be an immediate pass rushing presence on the edge if we hadn't gotten an edge already all right so these picks were kind of uh, sandwich picks let's talk about the guys that we picked when we did our mocks kevin and then we'll make our uh, our on live pick i i picked Komet and prince tego Winogo, uh in one draft the tego Winogo had a really bad senior bowl looked really bad in that game but i don't i wouldn't count it against him too much he we know that he's a slight project coming out and i just want to would see that development continue. Cole Komet, we've already talked about. And then I picked Curtis Weaver out of Boise State. I don't know why he was available at 59. I feel like it's a glitch in the matrix. But since he was, <laughs> I took him. Um, because it would be stupid for the Seahawks not to pick someone who's probably going to be picked a lot closer to the end of the first round or beginning of the second round. You said Jalen Rager? And Curtis Weaver. Or Curtis Weaver, okay. From Boise uh, State. Yeah. Uh, he's he's really good. The only thing he might slip on is he's not going to test high on the physical stuff. Well, he's he's like still, he's like 6'3". He's not this small. This is your Grant Wistrom motor guy. Okay. Curtis Weaver's awesome. Curtis and Weaver. Joshua, and I picked Joshua Uchin one, uh, one draft, the defensive end out of Michigan. So, uh, Kevin, who are some guys you picked up in this area? Uh, so, Jalen Rager is an outside receiver out of TCU. He is one of the fastest wide receivers in the draft. He played for an offense that couldn't find a quarterback, which brought his numbers down quite a bit. He's a guy I think is a really plus-plus talent. He's shifty. He is. That's and if like he one manages word I love be, scouts use that, that describes him. If he manages to be around at that time, I'm going to be really happy to see that. Yeah, he actually went just before we picked Peoples-Jones in this mock. So, I probably would have been I My probably would have been, been sad if that was true. Him, yeah. 
<laughs> and what, who's some other guys? Uh, let's see. Uh, then with the 64 spot in that same draft, I got Bradley Anna, who I already talked about. I think he's just a guy who can come in and immediately get you like five to eight sacks, but probably never get you more than five to eight sacks. Like he's just a really solid rotational defensive end who could play all three downs um, on the weak side. Mm-hmm. I like Ashton Davis, the safety out of Cal. I think he has about the most range out of any safety. Um, he's somebody I ended up with at the 59 spot. And the nice thing about him is if you end up getting to pair him up man, with... All these guys are like gone in this draft. We got we got kind of unlucky this time. Like did get a little bit unlucky on this one. Ashley I, Davis went 41. He went yeah. really high. I, that's I can see I, that being the truth because he's probably one of the best single high safety options in yeah, this draft. Him and the North Carolina, I think, are the, the two single high guys that I... Uh, I would covet at different points in the draft. And then uh, Natani Muti, uh, who we just talked about, is a guy that I end up picking in one. And uh, Leki Fotu out of Utah, who's an interior defensive lineman, who I think is one of those guys who will immediately come in and be able to be a big-time run stuffer, but over the first couple of seasons could develop as a pass rusher in a similar vein of what happened with Jaron Reed. So, kind of drafting Jaron Reed 2.0. So, uh, who who are we picking? What what guy you've heard, Eric, that do you want us to take? Well, you mentioned 500 guys. Yep. So, what <laughs> position group would you be most excited about? You know, in that sense, uh, given what we've what we've taken, I'm going to go with the interior lineman that you were talking about. Uh, for Fresno State, yeah. Natana, uh, would you, do you like him better than watch the interior offensive lineman from Washington, Kevin? Nick Harris? Yeah, I think he's just a better scheme fit. I, the thing Nick Harris is... He's I, a run he blocker. He's so polished, and I, I feel like he's going to be good immediately. And I don't know. There's something to that, to uh, to me. I feel the same way about Muti, though. Like, I feel like that's a guy who's going to come in and be a difference maker right away. There's no question about it. Be careful it. of the local guys, Nathan. Don't fall too in love with them. Okay, I just want to mention one more person, and that's uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. He'll be an end of the second round, middle of the third round kind of guy. Not an overwhelming athlete, but I just think someone that I would be really excited to uh, to pick up. But we're picking Natane Muti. Yep. All right, there he is. Guy who comes in and can just be a right or left guard for the next forever. Yeah, he's he's definitely going to be uh, as good as what we're getting from the 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 Walking Dead. That's what I'm going to start calling our interior <laughs> offensive linemen because we have two guys that are probably they they just have a lot of injuries in their on their on their t- a lot of a lot of wear on the tires, you know. Well, let me put it this way: if we were to walk out of the draft with like, let's say we got either Becton or uh, Josh Jones at tackle and like Moody or somebody like that at guard. I'd be feeling real good about our condition. All right. So we're now at 123. Uh, there's a wide receiver that I really want to pick right here, uh, Michael Pittman Jr. And if I knew Wait. Michael Pittman Jr. was going to be available here, I would have not have taken Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, Just go put that Michael out there. Pittman Jr., really good, uh, kind of mid-round prospect. He's a good athlete. Guy, good athlete. He was a four-star high school guy. His catch radius is roughly earth. Yeah, I like I like Michael Pittman Jr. a lot, and I think there's some decent guys on here. There's hey, a couple. Eric, how do you feel about people who could hug a refrigerator and touch it with both hands and back? I think it's great. Is uh, that's Pittman? How tall is he? Six four. I love it. I love it. There's I'm a, in. There's a couple edge guys here that I think are interesting. Uh, the Auburn edge guys, Nick Coe. Uh, I think Nick Coe is um, is pretty talented. He's 
Oh my gosh, the TV. Um, she always shows the TV thinks I'm prejudice. talking to it. So I like Nick Coe though as a kind of guy who could play inside and outside. Uh, Trevon Trevon Hill and Alton Robinson are also edge players. I actually like here. Marvin uh, Marlon Marlon Davidson a little bit more than Nick Coe, just because as a player who's able to, I, I think he does a really nice job of pass rushing from the three tech spot, a little bit more than Nick Coe does, and for that reason, I kind of like him in that Michael Bennett mold. Or Quentin Jefferson. I don't see them being very different prospects. I think you could prefer one to the other, but good luck. Let's pick Marlon Davidson, though. I think depth at edge will be depth at edge and just defensive line in general will be really important in this draft. Do you agree on that Uh, one, Eric? Another defensive lineman? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's great. I want to point out that it's either going to be amazing that we do this, or it's wishful thinking because the Seahawks always do something weird here. Well, we know they're going to trade back and have like. 7,000 more picks and no first round picks anyway. Yeah, I just, I don't want to see anything. I could see like the the safety, like Winfield, maybe Nathan was talking about, but I also see them doing something crazy like a linebacker here where, uh, we, where we don't need it and they just love the versatility of the player. I actually think this is a great spot to pick a edge player or a kind of tweener edge three tech. We already picked uh, two edge Kenny players. Kenny Willekes is a guy that. No, no, uh, the where we just picked up Davidson. Oh, okay. Um, Kenny Willickies is a guy who'll probably be there. Who's another motor guy out of Michigan State? Um, there's kind of a host of dudes that are available in that early, like late third, early fourth. Yeah, we still that make a lot of sense there. We still have not picked a tackle. Are there any tackle projects that you uh, that I love that you love that are going to go that late? Here's some guys that are left on the board according to this. We got Jack Driscoll, got Ezra Cleveland. Ezra Cleveland has some potential. Um, he's a guy who's really effective for Boise State, but it's kind of hard. Offensive tackle is a really hard position to evaluate against lower competition. And another thing about Ezra Cleveland is like I saw he's he's a good pass blocker, and but I don't know how that holds up against NFL level. I also don't know how strong of a run blocker he's going to be. That that worries right. me. Well, a we're little just bit. Gonna, let's just pick him anyway. Just this. And this, and we'll talk about the guys we picked in our uh, in our other drafts. So I picked uh, Tyler Johnson, the wide receiver from Minnesota. I think he's pretty pretty good. Uh, and Michael Trout Pittman. Ready. Like, there's just there's just a bunch of guys that these are wide receivers that in a lesser wide receiver draft would go much much higher. But in this one, you know, we get we get to uh, we get to draft them super late because there's just so many good wide receivers in this draft. Uh, talented, talented guys, and this, hopefully the Seahawks are ready to scout them because I think that could a wide receiver and a tight end in this draft could really complete uh, our offensive looks and give Russ a lot of weapons to work with. Um, I looked at Anthony McFarland, the running back out of Maryland. I think he's just explosive in space and could be someone that we use on uh, punt and kick returns to maybe take that off of anyone else who ever touches the field's plate. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I just want I just want to pick a guy in one with one of our picks that makes it so no one who so that we have a kick returner that's explosive, and it's not someone who we rely on on a play-to-play basis. I took Jeremy Shin, that's a safety out of Southern Illinois. It's hard to evaluate these safeties that play against lower competition. We saw this a couple years ago with the guy um, who played at, was it Delaware? Delaware, yeah, last um, year. And and uh, lots of people fell in love with him, and he looks really great on the tape. He hasn't done anything in his rookie year. Adderley got hurt, but, which was but, part of it. Yeah, but you don't know what he's going to be still because it's going to take time for him to get up to speed against the harder competition no matter what. So I like the idea of taking a safety like Jeremy Chin late, and we have the guys in, in-house already to give him time to develop. We can, we can have Blair. We can have 
uh, McDougald. We can have those guys uh, kind of fill in for him. For he, can, he he doesn't have to contribute on day one, right? Yeah, he can wait a couple years. Um, a couple guys. So there's three running backs I'm really keying on the draft based on what we kind of want and need. And I'm thinking about guys who get yards after contact, and guys who um, are decently elusive. And so Keyshawn Vaughn out of Vanderbilt is the guy who might go as late as like the fifth round who I'd be really interested in. And then a couple of guys who probably go somewhere like around the third round are Zach Moss out of Utah and Clyde Edwards Hilaire out of LSU. And those are another couple of guys who um, can make good enough cuts and are just really, really hard to bring down. Yeah. All right. So any, uh, any final, uh, you know, way too early mock draft uh, draft thoughts? I, I highly recommend going in and, and like kind of playing around with the uh, the mock draft machine on the uh, draft network mock draft simulator. It's just it's fun and it's interesting to like think about where these guys are going to get drafted already and kind of start making your your predictions and kinda... it'll get better. Um, they clearly haven't updated their rankings they're using in a while. Because it's not even accurate to their own rankings on their website, which is throwing some of this stuff off a little bit. But it's still just kind of a fun thought exercise and seeing, because the reality is that who's available does shift greatly. I was going to say, you can tell every time you turn it on or it restarts, there's different players available at different times. I think that's realistic. I mean, because a couple of picks, you know, you end up with a run on tackles or no tackles. We could see as many as Kevin's five. mad because I'm, I'm doing one right now and I there Trey Adams was available for us in like round five and I didn't pick him. <laughs> Kevin's about to punch me from from the couch. Uh, no, because you're gonna pick Michael Pickman right here. No, nope. you're not because you're bad at picking. I picked uh, Jeremy Chin, dude. That's nice. That was a horrible pick. <laughs> I think it's interesting though. Like we know this is a a big draft for offensive linemen and looking at the you know like the top fifteen prospects, someone like Ezra Cleveland is picked to go maybe in the second or fourth. And I think in the first round, you can see a run on tackles since we know how important they are for every team and how, you know, they don't always come around. I wouldn't be surprised if Ezra, Cle- Ezra Cleveland went in like the early third and maybe to us for that reason. But that's the thing is if there's a run on tackles, then there's going to be huge value at wide receiver. If there's a run on receivers, there's going to be value at tackle. If and there's a run on, you know, uh, there's there, a lot of really good corners. And here, here's the thing is they list our team needs on this website as edge. I agree. Wide receiver. I agree. Interior offensive line. I agree. Offensive tackle. I agree. Interior defensive line. Agreed. Safety. Agreed. Cornerback. Eh, that one, maybe not tight end. Agreed. Running back. No linebacker no so like we do but the thing is we do have significant needs at a lot of positions like so we can se- i agreed with like seven of those and that's what i think the draft strategy needs to be and maybe as unclear unclear but to, i just want to whoever whether it's trevon diggs yet gross motos mckay beckton whichever guy falls that's the guy i want the seahawks to pick because it doesn't or henry ruggs like kevin got henry ruggs in one of his mocks I don't care what position it is. It's Jalen Rager sitting there in the second round. If someone, it's... if someone is falling and going too late, that's the guy I want the Seahawks to snap up because if Ashton Davis is available when we're picking in the second round, that's a great value and it's someone who can help the Seahawks right away because every position is a position of need. It's we're in a weird state where our roster, where like we have guys, but there's only a couple positions where I feel like we're a thousand percent set. We're a thousand percent set at linebacker. We're a thousand percent set at quarterback, and that's basically it. And if the running backs are both healthy, then we're a thousand percent set there too. 
but that's basically it. I don't feel I don't feel set at any other position. We could pick almost anyone, and it would work with our current roster construction. Yeah. So it's a, we're in, we're in a weird spot where we can let the draft come to us, take our the, the very best player we think is available almost every time, unless it's a quarterback. I asked Kevin a question before the draft before we started. Hey, if Tua Tagliavoa is available with our pick, are we taking him? Yes. And Kevin said yes, and I I completely agree. That's just way too much value. Yeah, you just you just sit him down and you say, hey, learn behind Russ for two years, and then we'll trade you for like a million draft picks <laughs> in two years. The big thing is we could have him sit behind Russ, and then he could come out and have a showing in next year's preseason, and we trade him for some team's entire draft. Right. It's uh, it's it's pretty great. All right, let's get to the uh, the mo- the money zone. Uh, so there are many ways to help out the Seahawks Nest podcast, but the very best way to do so is to head over to patreon.com slash seahawks nest and for as little as a dollar 24 a month you can join new patreons joe jack michael and brandon those are all people who pledged to join the seahawks nest podcast in january um yeah and we have other patreons who are really crushing it they are being pulled up by my slow computer right now <laughs> do you like the this is like the worst corpsing. I should have had this up before the podcast started. I usually do. But... Yeah, you should probably also turn off your TV before it decides we're talking to it again. Oh, I'm not doing that. I want it to. That was my favorite part. Fourth of the member podcast. of the podcast. See you later, fellas. <laughs> it's, I'm uh... sorry, Nathan. I can't let you do that. All right. So Jack, James, Tom, Lucas, Carrie, Richard, Bob, Kieran, Brett, Mike, Flocktimus, Keith, Michelle, Brian, Frank, Nick, and all the other Patreons. Thank you for joining. You guys have been awesome and supporting us and hopefully we'll have a little bit of a new equipment coming soon i uh, just need a couple months and i'm I've, i'm excited i want to get a, a renewed soundboard for the seahawks nest it would be great uh yeah thanks for helping us out uh join the group chat if you do it's the pinned post uh, there's a link and uh here we go our movie club today you ready for this yeah it's uh Born ready. Wait, i don't know if you heard but ghibli is coming to uh, HBO? Eight, no. Uh, it's HBO it's streaming on HBO service and also coming I to I thought it was Netflix. DVD. No. It's, it's Netflix in Europe. What? HBO won the streaming rights in the US. Mm, that doesn't help us. Oh, that's good. I, I have I have HBO. Do you like that the TV turned on Netflix because we said Netflix so many times? I definitely it. spying on you. This, it. this TV is definitely spying on us. So the we're gonna do a Ghibli elim, Ghibliminator. How would you say this? A Ghibliminator. Yeah. All right, Gib, Ghibliminator. Here we go. So I'm gonna put <laughs> once again using the power of technology, all the new equipment. We're gonna put it up on the TV so you guys can actually keep up. I don't have to repeat myself. I can't myself wait until this crashes times. too. Oh, I was gonna say thanks for making that bigger. I didn't want to have to ask the TV to do it. <laughs> well, with the TV, probably would have been like, no, Eric, you need glasses. Yeah, you're not. Your glasses aren't up to date, and you're Make not the image Nathan. bigger. Uh, okay. Dialing HBO. Here's Maybe every Ghibli movie. Uh, no specific Ooh. order. Okay. Castle in the Sky. Princess Mononoke. Grave of the Fireflies. My Neighbors the Yamadas. My Neighbor Totoro. Spirited scared. Away. Kiki's Delivery Service. The Cat Returns. Only Yesterday. Howl's Moving Castle. Moving Castle. Porco Rosso. Tales from Earthsea. Ocean Waves. Ponyo. Pompoko. Ari. Secret World of Ariete. We're just going to call it Ariete from this point forward. <laughs> Whisper of the Heart from up on Poppy Hill when Marnie was there. The Wind Rises. My Neighbor Totoro and The Tale of Princess Kaguya. Okay. Uh, determined by the magic pen. Here we go. The first is Eric. 
before we start, there's definitely a worst one, and if you don't pick it, I will shame you right now. Have you? God, thanks for putting it on me. Have you guys seen every single one of these? I've seen all of them except one. Uh, I've seen all but about two or three. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say the ones that people. I think it's like the five or six. I have not people seen. People haven't seen only yesterday. Uh, Ocean waves, whisper of the heart. These are the not uh, the ones that are not directed by Miyazaki. Cat returns was not. Tales from Earth Sea. Uh, from up on Poppy Hill and when Marnie was there and the tale of Princess Kaguya, those are all not directed by Miyazaki. So those are ones less people have seen. And then My Neighbor the Yamadas is one that doesn't get as much play over here. Yeah. Um, also, where's Nausicaa in the Valley of the Winds? It's it's not officially a studio Ghibli, okay. but we'll, it is. We'll put it in. Yeah, Nausicaa's great. Okay. <laughs> Nausicaa of the Valley of the winds and everyone hates me because i typed that with my super loud keyboard during the podcast all right here we go that was my fault folks i apologize uh eric what are we eliminating okay i think i can eliminate one that you i think you hate and one i've seen i didn't like okay which one's more fair one one that's bad just do one that's bad who cares or i hope i hope you guys don't like this only yesterday okay I'm okay with that, but you definitely didn't pick the that was, clear, obvious worst one. That was not the worst one. Which did you know? Did you I know? Have not did you seen... know? Only yesterday has a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, fair. And how many? <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Um, so, only yesterday, uh, 1991, 100% rating, 55 reviews. It's here's the thing. It didn't come out in the U.S. Uh, for a really long time, and it is not a. Uh, it's like. It's like a coming-of-age teenager thing. I feel like it's a story that that. Studio Ghibli has told better. It's good. Um, It's. I would say you should definitely watch it, Eric. Since you, I've seen it. Oh, you've seen it. I didn't like it. You didn't like it. No, I saw it like back in uh, ninety-eight, ninety-nine. Oh, see, maybe it's it's about a woman in like her twenties. It's not even a teen. It's just a Japanese animation, so you think she's a teen. Oh, she's really older than that. Yeah, Uh, that makes me like it less. I thought it, I thought she was like a like a like a sixteen year old girl who like I mean it's throughout her life but it's it's more like coming of age as an adult. Right, interesting. Boring is what it was. <laughs> eliminate it's, eliminate your Porco Rosso. No, no. It's Tales of Earthsea. Tales of Earthsea from Earthsea. Oh, okay. Easy easy worst one. It's bad. It's oh. the only one on this list I would actually call not a good movie. It's not a good movie. Kevin is correct. It's not an awful movie. It's just very disappointing it's, and not good. It's why you shouldn't let. Uh, your son d- <laughs> uh, direct movies for this, your... This and all of medieval history is why nepotism is bad. I'm going <laughs> to delete another nepotism movie. I'm just going to get right in there and get rid of From Up on Poppy Hill. That uh, was a solid movie, but when you're looking better, at a bunch of threes, uh, three this? and a half and fours, and you're just like a two and a half or a three. better than uh, It's better than Tales from Earthsea. Yep. Tales from Earthsea had go, uh, go, some Goro. redeeming visuals. You did it. You did, it. You did better the than end. your first movie. All right. Eric, um, when Marnie was there, okay, I've seen, I've, I've given that film an effort, one effort. I think it was enough. Yeah, it, it's, it's good. It's just not, it's not great. There are great films on this list, and uh, we're the thing I like about this list right we're now is that we're quickly really going, we're quickly going to get to the great list. All right, Kevin. Uh, I'm caught between a few. I'm gonna do my neighbor, the Yamadas. Oh, man, that's what I was gonna do. That's like um, the other. I feel, feel like the other layup. Yeah, I feel like that's a movie that's just fine. It's just weaker than the other really good movies. Um, Ocean Ways is good, but not truly great. I think that it, it's a solid effort. Fair. Uh, I have not seen it in uh, 
significantly long time. I watched it like my roommate in college had like a DVD collection of all of these movies. And so I watched it. Um, so yeah, it's fine. All right, Eric, back to you. That's really hard. I feel like it's getting harder now. Yep. <sighs> Porco Rosso. Okay. All right. It's fine. Uh, Porco Rosso is a movie that um, is really, really fun. It's very easy to watch. Um, I, I think it's a very enjoyable film. It uh, is. It's it's smooth and easy to watch. But uh, when we're looking at a list of bangers, eh, another thing too is is uh, is Porco is kind of a, a chauvinist. Yeah, that's that's the fact. <laughs> so he's uh, a pig. So he's 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 both literally and figuratively a pig, which maybe uh, makes me <laughs> like him like him less. He's right, a little Kevin. too too heavy handed for you. Yeah, a little too on the nose. Um, I'm going to probably go ahead. I'm going to kick out, uh, the cat returns. Okay. Uh, it's fantastical and fun, but that was, it was between that and Porco Rosso for me. I mean, I, I'm looking at it. There's about two or three movies left to eliminate before it starts getting to feels bad city. And that's one of them. Um, all right. There's many movies on this list with environmental messages. I'm going to delete the one that I think's the not best. Pompoco. It's mm-hmm. like a, it's like about like raccoons who are there. There's gigantic buildings coming in and destroying. I don't know. There, just other movies are doing that same theme better on this list. I'm gonna say it is the best version of Over the Hedge. Okay. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, um, Mononoke, it is not. <laughs> or Nausicaa even or Nausicaa. I mean, they, there's many movies on this list that touch on similar themes that do it much better and th- like that movie is <laughs> is worth watching it deserves to exist I'm not trying to like bash on it like that but it just doesn't need to I don't need to have it on the in the top 10 it's not in the top 10 and we're we're almost to top 10 already yep we're at top 14 Eric. I was really hoping you'd leave me Pompoco because I think I'm gonna I, I don't want to offend anyone because we're getting that that far down on the list I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get rid of Whisper of the Heart. Okay. No backlash yet. Hey, uh, no, not a, not a strong backlash. This is a really hard me. spot. I think this is a really um, strong movie, and uh, I like the way that it chooses to tell a story about um, somebody who creates like a fantastical world within their own life, but. I, there's only about two movies I like, for sure eliminate first. I like that there's a John Denver song at the heart of this movie. How about that? Because <laughs> there's a little, it's a little out there. They're saying "Take Me Home, Country Roads" in the song. It's like a big part of the movie. All right, yeah, that and Kingsman too. <laughs> and uh, oh, and um, there's one more. Uh, the Lucky, Logan Lucky. Oh yeah. Oh right. man, Logan Lucky. Kevin, it's your turn, right? Um, time for Arietti. Yeah, by Arietti. I was going to do that too. So. Uh, Secret World Arietti. It was his take on the Borrowers. And it was cute, and it was fun, and it was solid, and now it's time to move on. It was very long. All right, well, I'm going to choose between two movies that I think everyone will be mad at me, no matter which one I think one you I need eliminate. to eliminate the one that Tor- you absolutely Tor- never want to watch again that's going to make everyone oh, really mad at you. Oh, Torturo's on here twice. Oh, I'm just going to delete that. Now we actually are down to the top 11, so I'm making the top 10 here. You are. Uh, what are you going to shut the door on from being in our top 10? I feel like there's... It's either uh, the Wind Rises, Kiki's Delivery Service, or My Neighbor Totoro. Really? And uh, 
Wow. Oh, wow. There's I a, like a lot of these movies. There were two other movies I thought that would be on the list before that for you. No, I'm going to do The Wind Rises. Okay. There you go. Too, okay. too depressing. <laughs> That's really... <laughs> that. Come on. That should save it. That should save it? I mean, I get it. Um, That's interesting. It's very interesting. Um, Am I up? Yep. Yes. Going Ponyo. Boo. Ponyo gets Ponyo's under Ponyo's underrated. Um, I would have had I would have made Ponyo the winner if it was the last two left just to really? troll people. Really? Man, yeah. no way. No. Ponyo <laughs> Ponyo is a Ponyo's a fine movie and I think it's time for it to go. Ain't happening on that. Then I'm gonna go ahead and take it. I'm I'm between two. I I'm gonna go ahead and eliminate Tales of Princess Kaguya. No, on this, this movie is so cool. It's a really cool movie and has a really cool animation style. And it's, it's like kind of different than it's almost done in movies. like watercolor and sketch. And I think like Chloe Grace Moretz. I don't know. I always watch the English versions, and Chloe Grace Moretz is really good in the English language version of this movie as the Princess Kaguya. And I don't know. It's just that plot of that movie so weird. They find a little girl in a <laughs> bamboo shoot and race her as their own. Well, like, it's Thumbelina. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's cool. Though. And again, it's it's kind of like uh, Arietti. It's it's their take on another tale, and I enjoy that. But I'm done. All right, is it my turn? It your is turn. your turn. Oh, uh, should I make Eric or should I make Brett hate me? I mean, I would say I would eliminate Totoro before <laughs> Kiki's in general. Totoro is really fun when you have kids, but I don't think it's as quality of a movie as Kiki, personally. Uh, okay, but I mean, I'm actually I'm a, I'm 100 with Kevin on this. I'm not eliminating either one, so I mean, it's it's up to you. Oh, you won't? Okay, not 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 right now. There's a movie on here that I'm definitely eliminating earlier. Okay. Oh, I can't huh? wait. I'm excited. This I'm is gonna, fun. I'm getting rid of Tortoro. Yeah, I think you're right. It's one of those movies. It's like it's cute and it's fun, but it's uh yeah. Like if you watch that with I'm, Odin, Odin's gonna be all about it, and I'm, you're gonna enjoy seeing it with him. I'm splitting hairs at this point, to be honest with you, but because I, I like all of these. Yeah, movies. I agree. Yep. Uh, all right, Eric. Okay, so I'm. It's up in the air for me. It's two movies that I saw uh, back when I was getting into Japanese animation and uh, f- my intro to foreign films. If to be honest with you, uh, all these hurt. I'm going to anger Kevin. I'm probably going to get rid of. Uh, flip a coin. Flip a coin. Kiki's delivery service. All right. Seems, That's fine. seems fair to me. I'm okay with it going well, here. Because after Kevin's pick, we're is... at top five, and then we can. I'll tell everyone the top five. All right, so there's definitely... I'm slamming the door on a movie out of the top five, and I'm happy about it. <laughs> Send me your hate mail. Grave of the Fireflies. Get out of here. What, what do you hate so much? That, about uh, number one, it is a movie that is all about um, the necessity of obedience, and somebody unnecessarily starves to death, and it's moderately exploitative of the fact that you hate children dying in film that being said it's done really really well um, i'm gonna say it makes... is worth seeing once yeah i don't watch it twice it makes me sad that you saw it that way kevin uh i'm just stating things that are factual i i thought it was more I, about really well done and i know what it's trying to do but there's there's an element of it that i really dislike okay i feel like it's like these kids don't know how to act more than like just a message of like obedience like these kids are like because everything's so messed up you know i feel like there's a balance of those two concepts which is why i didn't eliminate it much earlier and make it it's reverse lord of the flies our top five nausicaa castle in the sky spirited away 
Princess Mononoke, Howl's Moving Castle. All of these are bangers, and yes. there's only two that I think are clearly above some of the other ones. Um, so uh, all your eliminations here make sense. I unless will. Unless it's away. <laughs> <laughs> I will eliminate Howl's Moving Castle. That's fair. A okay. good a good movie, um, a really interesting movie. I um, Another I really one like, a great dub. I really like the theme of, uh, of compassion. Like there's a theme, like an overarching theme of compassion in this movie that I find really... Uh, charming but it also has whimsy mixed with terror which is fun uh but uh i'm not eliminating it before any of these other movies which i all really love for very for various reasons yep eric oh man it's like a game of coin flips right now um i'm gonna i'm gonna end nausicaa right now Uh, this is a fair spot awesome thank you because it, earlier, I was thinking about getting rid of it, but I I liked it better than Kiki's, and I don't know if it. I haven't tried to watch it recently, but looking at clips of it like four years ago, I don't feel like it stood up. I don't feel like uh, having it and Princess Mononoke both in the final three makes a lot of sense, and Princess Mononoke is the stronger of the two. I, I agree. Think you guys suck because the 2005 Disney voice acted version of this has Patrick Stewart in it. And it's Lord Yupa, and that is the coolest thing you could ever do, uh, because <laughs> Patrick Stewart is awesome. And then you got Uma Thurman, Shia LaBeouf, uh, Edward James Olmos. Like this is like just an, that's another Mark, stellar Mark Hamill. They're such good voice acting. In this okay, movie. but Howl's Moving Castle had killer voice actors too. We mm-hmm. that. So uh, I mean, sticking. compared to compared to that, I don't know. I think it's the best English voice. Like the the English voice cast for Howl's Moving Castle, it's like Billy Crystal. And uh, Blythe Danner and you Christian don't, Bale. You don't like Billy Crystal. I like how you just like slandered Billy Crystal as a voice actor and Christian Bale. Chris, Billy Crystal? Good on Christian you. Bale? I don't know. Not <laughs> not Patrick. They're not Patrick Stewart. That's for sure. Uh, I'm Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. Stewart. <laughs> uh, you don't even watch American Dead. He's right, in that all the time. All right. I have to eliminate Castle in the Sky here because I think there's a clear top two. Yes. Um, all right. I was hoping I'd get to choose between Nasuka and Mononoke. Um, but I will eliminate Spirited Away. Make it easy. Uh, Princess Mononoke. A reason I'd pick it is, um, one, the English voice cast features Billy Crudup, and Billy Crudup is the king. Uh, second, second Billy re- Crudup? Oh, he's, uh, he's not. You're just mad because people. you had to look at his dick during the Watchmen movie. <laughs> uh, don't. That was a digital dingus. <laughs> you think that was digital? That, they had to digital it down. You're looking at a digital man <laughs> they, dingus. They, they, did, they, digitally, they digital dialed it back, dude. Is the Billy Crudup? Your Mark Wahlberg impressions leaking. Things dong. Uh, <laughs> but I just, I this was to be honest with you, this was the first Japanese animation movie that I ever loved, and so it will always hold like a very special place in my heart. Um, I think this movie, Spirited Away, or Nausicaa, are all perfectly valid choices for not just the best movie in this grouping, but the best anime movie period ever. Uh, and so the. You know, it, you don't really hurt my feelings by picking any of those or eliminating any of those because these are all really excellent, excellent films. Uh, that's my clear top three, and it was the uh, four of th- four, they were all in the top four. So yeah, Spirited and Mononoke are stone fives, and anyone who doesn't think so, I have questions about your taste in movies. Yeah, um, I mean, it's... we can argue Nausicaa. You can be wrong if you want to put it something lower than a five, but we can argue it. Mononoke and Spirited Away are exceptional. Exceptional storytelling, exceptional animation. Um, 
Do you want do you want to hear some other cool voice actors that are in the English version? <laughs> Billy, Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, but by the way, my my big issue with the dub and the reason wow. why I don't do the dub is because I I hate the voices they chose for the wolves. You hate Keith David, but he loves David Keith, the boar god. Keith David, Keith David's so cool. Keith David's he's good. Enough. He's every man's actor. He's you didn't great. like the Jillian Anderson as the wolf? No. Oh, I like. I thought that was cool. Uh, it the voices just didn't match them for me, and it bothered me in the dub. Okay, well, tell if you're us- watching the original version first and then going to dub. It will ruin your time. Yes. Tell us the uh, your favorite uh, movie for Ke- uh, that was ever from Studio Ghibli. Wow, that was the sentence that a person made once. For- <laughs> for- <laughs> Welcome to Report Card Weekly, for- gentlemen. For- yeah, Report Cards are due Friday. I'm dead. For Kevin Garber, for Eric Ronenbeck, we will see you next week. Go Hawks. Good times roll. No, I ain't got nothing but a